going the right direction there. There we go. Today we get to jump in a little bit further into uh, looking at the body of Christ and how God designed all this and all the parts of the body to work together. And as I was thinking about that, my mind went back to uh, an experience that, that we had about, uh, what, a couple years ago. Some of you maybe have been through this, maybe as a student or perhaps as a parent. But anybody remember having to create a Rube Goldberg machine? You know, you know what I'm talking about with this? This is the, the thing, you know, the definition is where you, you perform a simple task in an, an overly complicated way. And every piece you know, depends on the other, and if one doesn't go right, then everything else gets messed up. And so I was, as I was thinking about the body of Christ, I thought about that and actually came across this little video of what we did here just a couple years ago, Autumn's Junior High School. So take a look at this fun little bit that we had here. Go. So they say that confession is good for the soul, right? Here's my confession. We were supposed to make a buzzer. Did you notice there was like a three-second delay from the time the ball dropped until you heard a buzzer sound? That's because Sean is standing off camera with a buzzer in her hand in case it didn't work like we wanted it to. And when it dropped and didn't buzz, she did the backup buzzer, and we all screamed and acted like, wasn't that wonderful, right? So a lot of fun, all those pieces working together. But then I got to looking at that, and I thought, wow, that's pretty simple. I mean, you know, and Autumn did good putting all that stuff, you know, together, and we had fun doing that with her. But then I got to look, and I thought, I wonder what's out there that is a little bit more complicated. And I came across my favorite trick shot ever. Now, get comfortable. This is like a three-minute long deal, but take a look at this. This is quite impressive to me. Enjoy
right there. Um, unbelievable. How do you come up with all that stuff? And, and I mean, you talk about making something overly complicated, right? And, and every piece, and I don't know how many times it, take the guy, it took the guy to do that, but if one little thing anywhere along the way doesn't go right or doesn't do its job, then the whole thing doesn't work. And, you know, as we jump into talking about the body of Christ, here's the thing. In, in a way, the body that, that God has created, the church, is very intricate. But it's really not overly complicated. I mean, it, it's true that each part depends on the other. And if one part doesn't do its job, then, you know, the rest is going to be impacted. But, um, you know, the, the way God designed the body uh, is, 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 is pretty amazing. And we're going to jump into that in chapter 12 here in just a minute. But let me just remind us where we came from last week in chapter 11, the last part of chapter 11. We looked at uh, the, the church's celebration of communion together, and we talked about the fact that he was really upset with them because what was intended to be something that would bring unity among the body, that would put everybody on level footing, actually turned into exactly the opposite of that. Those who were wealthy were going ahead without those who didn't have, and, and it was you know, creating further division among them and those kinds of things. And so he continues on in chapter 12, and I want you to keep that, that context in mind, the importance of unity in the body of Christ. And then uh, we get into chapter 12 and he starts talking about what that body is supposed to look like. So let's begin reading 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 1. It says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now, one of the things, and we're going to jump in and, and just kind of talk about what that means for us uh, here in just a moment, one of the things that really was interesting to me and looking at this passage, if you just isolate verses 4 through 6, it's really interesting that it, that it talks about the Spirit distributing gifts, 
in verse 4. In verse 5, it talks about the same Lord. And in verse 6, it talks about the same God at work in each of them. And I point that out just simply for, for this purpose. It, he's recognizing the three different persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in there. He talks about the Spirit, obviously a reference to the Holy Spirit. Lord was the, the confession that Jesus is Lord, and then God is a reference to God the Father. And so even in the context of the church working together, you know, we have this model for us in who God is, because God is three in one, and there's unity there, and there's working together there, uh, even within who God is. And so that lays the foundation, and then he, he goes on and talks about the difference between what we should experience and what many of them were experiencing in that time, because it says that in the past that they were influenced and led astray to mute idols. What is he talking about there? Being led astray to mute idols. Again, let's do our best to put ourselves uh, into the context of, of that time. Uh, and it was interesting, one of the commentaries I read was talking about in Pompeii, which isn't specifically where they were, but something maybe similar to what was going on at that time. In Pompeii, they have discovered these idols where they had priests of different pagan idols. They had these secret staircases behind these large concrete idol figures, and the priests could actually go behind and walk up into the opening of this idol, and there was a long tube from the back to the front where the mouth was, and so the priest would actually speak and, you know, speak on behalf of that so-called God. Now, I don't think anybody, hopefully, was tricked into believing that that concrete statue was actually talking. But it is a comparison here or a difference between, he says, look, this is what a, a mute idol is. These other idols, these gods that you worship, they don't have anything to say. But our God does. He really does communicate. He really does speak to us. And so there's a significant difference there. And, and, and this Holy Spirit that is in us is the one who communicates with us. But not only that, but it says that, that he is the one who distributes. It says there are different kinds of gifts. That word gifts there is a Greek word pneumaticon, which really just means spiritual. I find that interesting because it, it just says there are different types of Spiritual. Now, implied is the idea of gifts, but the emphasis is on the spiritual essence of those gifts, if that makes sense. The emphasis isn't so much on the gift itself as it is on the Spirit who gives those gifts and the purpose of those gifts being to, uh, to fulfill what the Spirit wants to do in us and through us. And so here's a definition from the Expositor's Bible Commentary. It describes spiritual gifts in this way, and I thought this was a good, good way for us to look at it. It's being endowed at conversion or baptism with certain powers which they had not previously possessed and which were due to the influence of the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're not just talking about, you know, kind of natural talents that a person maybe is born with. This is, this is different. This is the Holy Spirit giving us certain gifts that are to be used for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. So here's the first thing that I want us to, to, to sit in for just a moment is this truth that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters because, really for a few things, but one, He is the one who sees the big picture of everything, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who, who knows uh, 
where he's going and what he is wanting to do. And so as a result of that, he's able to decide what gifts need to be given where because he understands what he's, what he's after and what he's trying to accomplish. And, and so I, I love that. I love that God in his wisdom has designed the body this way. So that all parts of the body, you know, he gives different gifts to different parts of the body. And, and he's the one who decides how that works. And I would go back and emphasize once again this theme of unity that we've been talking about. The purpose of the Holy Spirit distributing different gifts to different people within the body is that everybody would come together and use those gifts for the purpose of building up the body. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. Basically, today what we're trying to do is kind of get an overview and remind ourselves, and probably this is not new material for for many, if not most of you, but, but we're just reminding ourselves, how has God designed the church to function? How's it supposed to operate? And then we're going to come back next week and and dig in a little bit further and say, okay, we've got the big picture of how the body is supposed to operate. Now let's talk about what is my role in that? And we're going to dig in a little bit further into this idea of the different parts of the body all functioning together. But, But we need some of that for a foundation today. This is the way that God has designed it. And the result should be that we are unified. It brings unity within the body. Now, it's interesting to me that it says that the Spirit distributes different gifts to different people. See, in our culture, we have become so accustomed to an idea of fairness that says everybody has to have the same thing, right? In order for something to be fair, it's got to be the same for everybody. Any of you parents ever struggle with that with your kids? You know, thinking, oh my goodness, if I do one thing for one of my kids, I've got to do exactly the other, and everything has to be exactly fair. And I think most parents kind of feel that stress or that pressure of, we've got to make sure everything is fair. I'm 51 years old, and my mom still struggles with that to this day. When we get together for Christmas, she stresses every time about, is everybody going to think that, that everything is fair? And so being the kind-hearted and very, you know, sweet son that I am, I like to mess with her a little bit on Christmas sometimes and say things like, I think Grant got more presents than I did. What's up with that? You know, and just kind of watch her squirm a little bit. I love you, Mom. She's probably watching right now, and I'll probably hear from her a little bit later. But, you know, we we feel that pressure, right? We want everything to be the same, everything to be equal for everybody. Well, here's the thing when it comes to the distribution of gifts. It's not all the same. It is equal, and, and, and it is fair, Equal in the sense of equally important. But it's not the same. And, and God is the one who decides that. And, and he's the one who distributes the gifts as he wants them to be distributed. But as we read in verse 5 and 6, this is why this should bring unity rather than diversity. Now you can see where that could bring diversity, right? Somebody can say, wait a minute, you got that gift, I got this gift. And like the kids, you know, sometimes end up, ah, you know, you, you got better gifts than I did or whatever. Well, here's why that should not be the case, because if we understand this principle, verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God who's at work. Here's another way of saying that. Here's the second main idea today, and that is that all gifts point to Jesus. That's the point. Whatever gifts we have 
should point back to Jesus. And it should be about honoring him. It should be about fulfilling the purpose that he has for us. Now, some gifts are going to be more behind-the-scenes gifts. Some of you are like, you know, your gift is maybe a gift of service. Maybe it's a, a, a gift of, of mercy. Something where, you know, most likely is being done in settings where not everybody sees what you're doing, right? And then there are going to be others that have different types of gifts. Let's say your gift is more one of, of exhortation or encouragement, and that means that you're doing more to, you know, maybe communicate and, and encourage, and maybe that's done in a public setting, or at least it's, it's more noticeable, right? And so there are some that may be more visible than others, but one of the things that's so clear is that God is the one who gives us those gifts, and that they are given, verse 7, look at verse, what verse 7 says, they're given for the common good. Now, if we really buy into this, and we really understand what's going on here, then, you know, who cares? <laughs> Who gets what gift? The point is that God has given all of us gifts for the common good so that we can fulfill uh, what he has designed for us to do. Let me, let me tell you one of the concerns that I have in the culture that we live in today. We live in a culture of superstar Christian personalities. Now, that's not always a bad thing, okay? If somebody is very gifted and they're able to communicate well and communicate the gospel and, you know, I, I think of a, you know, a Billy Graham type person who, you know, is, is, is in the spotlight or certainly was in the spotlight an awful lot. And there are many, many others today that are still doing those kinds of things. I don't think anybody would say that's a bad thing. I think we say, you know, that's wonderful. This is an individual who used his gifts. You know, millions of people came to faith in Christ as a result of that. And we celebrate that. But here's where it begins to get a little bit dangerous. Sometimes we begin to exalt a certain personality or a certain individual. And rather than that person really functionally pointing people toward Christ, it becomes more about that individual. Now, I, I, let me be very clear in saying this. We need to be very careful not to judge that. That's not, that's not our role. But... At the same time, it's something we should be cautious of. Because the point of spiritual gifts is never to bring attention to the individual exercising those gifts. The point is always to point people to Jesus. Now, if somebody can do that in a very public way, and you know, many, many, many people are impacted by it, then praise God for that. That's a wonderful thing. But if it ever begins to become about the individual... That should make us nervous. And if ever there's anybody as a Christian leader that begins to feel like they deserve to be treated differently from everyone else or they're, you know, more elevated or kind of this celebrity status kind of thing, that's a danger sign because they're, they're missing the point. God has given gifts not so that we could shine, so that he could shine. That's, that's what it's all about. In fact, one of the things that, that, that I would say is that as we exercise, if we understand what we're reading here in this chapter and the rest of Scripture, if we really grasp the purpose of gifts and where they come from, the result of that should be a deep sense of humility. I mean, there's, there's no way. How do you take credit for something that isn't yours in the first place, right? If we really understand, I'm just 
you know, God has, has given certain spiritual gifts, and if I'm using those gifts and God is working through that, then, then the praise and the honor and credit should go toward God, not toward the individual. And so there's a deep sense of humility that comes from that, understanding that it's not about me, it's not about anything that I can do, it's really about God. Now, let me give you an example, just because I like to think about weird stuff like this from time to time, and I hate to disappoint you, but this is not going to happen today, okay? But let's say somebody came to me with just a big old stack of $100 bills and said, I want you to hand one out to everybody on the way out of church on Sunday. Sorry, that's not happening, and even if someone did come to me with that, by the way, I'd probably tell them no. But for the purpose of, uh, because I don't like the message it sends, but for the purpose of this illustration, let's just assume that that's what we're doing. Somebody else's money. They said, I'm giving this to you. I want you to distribute this to people. And so you're on the way out the door, and I'm handing out $100 bills. And you walk by, and you take your $100 bill, and, and, and if you were to... Talk about, you know, how incredibly generous that was of me and how kind that was of me to do that. and how I, that, that would not make much sense because I would be able to say, well, these aren't mine. This, this belongs to somebody else. I'm, I'm simply discharging a duty that's been given me by somebody else. But, but you can't take credit for that, right? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to take credit for something that isn't ours in the first place. And spiritual gifts should lead us to a deep sense of humility where we, we recognize this is really all about God. And the purpose of this is to, uh, to build up the body. It says, verse 7 says, for the common good. You know, another thing that it's a reminder of to me when I read um, this passage and, and, and I'm reminded how the body works together. It reminds me that spiritual gifts are not to be used in isolation. You know, the gifts are part of the body, and, and they're supposed to function that way. And so if we're using our gifts in the context of the body, and we're all doing it together, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But separate what was a beautiful gift from the rest of the body, it's a different story. I want you to think about somebody. Get somebody in your mind's eye right now. You can close your eyes and think about this if you need to that has the most beautiful eyes of anybody that you know, okay? You, can you think of somebody like that? And you say, man, they just have beautiful, beautiful eyes. Now, I want you to imagine that you are waking up one morning and you're about to, you're going into the bathroom to get dressed and all that, and you look down on the countertop in the bathroom, and those two beautiful eyes that you were imagining are just sitting there on the countertop looking at you. <laughs> How are you going to feel about what was a once, once was a beautiful part of the body? That's something straight out of a horror movie, right? That, that is terrifying if there are eyeballs sitting there by themselves staring at you. You will have nightmares for a long, long time to come. Why? Because... Eyeballs, however beautiful they are, are supposed to be a part of the body. They're supposed to be a part of the rest of the face. If you take what was once beautiful and you separate it from the rest of the body, it becomes grotesque. We have been given gifts in the body of Christ that are, that are intended to be beautiful, wonderful gifts. But if we separate those from the rest of the body, it can become grotesque. We're intended to function all together. 
And the point of everything is to, to, to point back to Jesus. Here's the third thing um, that we see in the, the, the last part of this passage. And that is uh, that we all have different gifts. Verse 8 through 11 um, talks about the different types of the gifts. And again, it emphasizes in verse 11 that they're from the one and the same spirit. He distributes it just as he determines. I mean, if we, if we didn't get that point on the front end, he's making sure that we get it on the back end here. Um, but there are different gifts within the body of Christ. And that's a good thing. This is not an exhaustive list, by the way. When we talk about spiritual gifts, many of the spiritual gifts that, that we may talk about may come from this passage and the rest of you know, uh, what we see here in chapter 12. But Romans 12 is another good place where it talks about spiritual gifts. and Ephesians 4, it talks about spiritual gifts. There are other places in Scripture where spiritual gifts are, are described. So this is not intended to be an exhaustive list, but it does point out the fact that the gifts do, um, th th they're different, and we have different types of gifts. Let, let's just take a quick look at the ones that are mentioned here. He talks about a message of wisdom. Now, this is somebody who has been given a spiritual gift to be able to make sound judgments. And the next one, by the way, is knowledge. And wisdom and knowledge you know, are not the same thing. I, I like what's, the way it's been described, that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. But wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad, right? There is a difference there between just having knowledge and knowing how we are to utilize that knowledge. And so that's this message of, of knowledge. But then the next one, I mean, excuse me, message of wisdom. Then the next one is a message of knowledge. There are some people that have been given by God the ability to soak up information. And that's a wonderful thing. This message of, of knowledge and understanding. And, uh, you know, we won't be able to make good decisions if we don't have the right information. And then it talks about an, another one. It says being given the gift of faith. Now, Faith is something that is necessary. It's a necessary gift in order for us to enter into a relationship with God in the first place. Ephesians 2.8, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And so we come to faith in Christ on the front end, and that's how we enter into a relationship with God. We turn away from our sin. We put our trust, our faith in Jesus as the one who died, as our sacrifice rose from the dead. And so Faith is necessary to begin a relationship with God. So all of us have to have that. But then there are some that have been gifted by God with just an extraordinary ability to exercise faith in different ways. Maybe that is uh, faith as in believing in God for something that, you know, others may not. Maybe it is faith more in the sense of trusting God, which I think a lot of times is really the case. Uh, because faith really does mean trust. And so somebody with the gift of faith maybe can go through very difficult circumstances but continue to trust God and not waver uh, in their belief in who God is and trust in Him. And then it goes on and talks about gifts of healing. And there again, even with a gift like this, it's very clear when you read the rest of Scripture that even someone with a gift of healing, it's not about that individual. It's not about them receiving credit. It's about God receiving credit. Acts 3.12 is a great example of this. Uh, Peter saw a, a man who, uh, uh, who couldn't walk, and he basically said, Jesus is healing you. 
guy got up and started walking. But then afterward, of course, everybody's amazed. Acts 3.12 says this. It says, when Peter saw this, that this is the way people were responding to what had been done. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? He said, look, God deserves the credit, even in a situation where there is a miraculous healing that takes place. The next one is, is kind of tied to that miraculous powers. We see God's supernatural power to perform miracles. We see that throughout Scripture as well. Distinguishing between the spirits. I would equate this one with someone who has great discernment. Someone who is able to recognize, okay, I really see God's hand in this, or maybe not so much here. Uh, that was especially important in a day where Christianity was so new and there were so many you know, different belief systems out there. Speaking in tongues could mean a gift of languages, could mean speaking in an unknown tongue. We see that Acts chapter 2 as a, as a sign and people were able to understand. We see it in the rest of Scripture. We're actually going to dive into that a little bit more in chapter 14. So I'm going to wait and come back to that and the next one, which he talks about, which is interpretation of tongues. And I'll just say this. It's very clear that he's saying if somebody's speaking in a tongue, somebody else needs to interpret so that what has been said can be understood. Now, I'm going to hold off on those and we're going to dive into that in chapter 14 here in just a little while, and that should be fun. Uh, but the, the point in all of this, really, is that our gifts vary. I mean, that, that's really the point that I want you to see here. They're not all the same, and this isn't all of them. And guys, this is not just pie-in-the-sky, interesting information to have. Understanding the things that we're talking about is intended to push us toward actually doing something with the gifts that we have. You know, I just want to share with you for a minute. I'm, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about this a lot more next week. I already told you that. But let me, as we wrap things up today, let me just kind of share with you why this is so important, especially right now in the life of our church. Why it matters so much that we understand this and not just understand it, but that we take steps toward actually finding our place within the body of Christ. As everybody knows, this last year has been a crazy year. Can you believe it's been a year now, actually? I think, uh, you, you know, my timer of knowing when COVID started, the way I, I mark that is it happened right at March Madness, which is my absolute favorite sports time of the entire year. I'm really excited about that starting this week, and I was horribly disappointed last year when everything got canceled. But that's how I know it's been exactly one year because it was right when, uh, when all that was about to, about to happen and Baylor was about to get their first number one seat ever, but that'll happen this year. So we'll, 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 that's a story for another day. But a year, everything shuts down. Everybody isolates Everybody goes to their home, and the church then has to decide, okay, what do we do? But what do we do now? You know, we, we care about people. We don't want to, you know, our position at least was we don't want to be reckless and foolish with, hey, let's just bring people together and, you know, run that risk because I, I think there's a difference between God's protecting and just being stupid. And so that's maybe a sermon for another day. So we, we said, you know, we want to be cautious but at the same time, we're not going to stop being the church, right? We're not going to stop ministry. We're not going to stop being who God's called us to be. So what does that look like? And everybody's trying to figure that out, and we're pivoting, and we've never done any kind of live streaming or video type stuff before, and so all this is brand new. We're trying to figure it all out. Thankfully, there are people from within the body of Christ 
that stepped up and said, well, I, I can help in that area. You know, I, I have a little bit of understanding and knowledge. Let's help figure this out together. So we figure that out. There are people that, that said, you know what, I can come and, and I can film lessons for children so that the kids aren't left out and we can put out stuff for the preschoolers and for the kids and 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 then we get into September and after Labor Day our church made the decision we're going to start meeting back together we're still going to be cautious about how we do that but we're going to have children's programs we're going to have youth programs and and those kinds of things well there again what does that require it requires volunteers it requires people and so now you've got those people who are willing to to come out who are willing to put themselves in a place where, frankly, there is some level of risk in doing that. But at the same time, they're looking at that saying, yeah, but I, I think, you know, number one, I think we're being smart in how we're handling. And then number two, I believe this is important, something that God wants to do. So here's my point. Over the last year, there have been a lot of people who have stepped forward to say, I'm willing, even during a pandemic, even during uncertain times, I'm willing to continue to serve. I'm willing to continue to do my part to build up the body of Christ. But those people have been far less in number just because of everything that's been happening. As a result of that, here's my concern. I'm afraid those people are getting burned out. It's been, it's been a heavy load for, for, for some folks for an entire year now. Why does this matter? It matters because the only way that's going to change is for you, for us as a body of Christ to say, you know what, I'm willing to step forward and do my part. Now, here's the deal. Eight o'clock service. <laughs> here's how this normally works. Most of you who are here for an eight o'clock service, maybe this may be the case or may not be the case for those of you that are watching online, but certainly those of you that are here are probably the ones that have been faithfully involved through this past year. So I, this may or may not be speaking directly to you, but certainly probably is for some of those that are, that are watching with us. We need people to step up. We, we need you to step forward and to say, I'm willing to do my part. Now, I'm not going to get too far ahead because we're going to talk about that more next week. I'm just going to stop for now. But let me say this. If already, I don't want to wait until next week to give you the opportunity to say, I feel like God is leading me to take a step in this area and to do something. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you want to find out more about the different ways that you can get involved, different opportunities for service, I want you to just use the, the, the same um, text number that we always say. We'll put it up on the screen for you. But use this keyword, serve. If you'll text the word serve to that number, it's just going to send you back a simple little form. It'll list out some different areas. If something's not on that list, you can fill in your own and say, this is what I'm interested in. I don't see it there. Simple way for you to respond and say, I want to do my part to be a part of building up the body of Christ. And then I look forward to coming back. We're going to be encouraged next week, I think, as we are able to say, this is why this matters for us. And, and it blesses us. This isn't just about, oh, gosh, you know, I feel guilty, so I better do something. This is about an opportunity to be blessed. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to preach next week's sermon yet. Let's pray together. <laughs> Father, thank you so much. Just for the body of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to be together. And I do pray today, Lord, that uh, uh, I just pray that you would draw forward those that, uh, that, that need to take that step and utilize the gifts that you've given them. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.